every single living thing on this planet wants to be healthy. Okay, whether you are a plant, whether you are a microbe, a bacteria, a dog, a whale, you know, it doesn't matter. It wants to be healthy. We, we strive for life. Yet as human beings, we're the most evolved species on the planet, but we're also the sickest. Now, something doesn't stack up in that model. When we get people doing the right behaviors and helping themselves to be healthy, the body then does the hard work for you. I often will say, you know, I just... I help the, my clients get out of their own way, and then their body does the hard work. This episode of the Project Human podcast is with Jim Thorpe. Jim is a former professional rugby player turned holistic health coach who has studied with the Czech Institute. Jim has been highly successful in helping people overcome long-term back and neck pain, which I can attest to myself. Before I found Jim, I'd seen many different practitioners about a long-term back issue and I was getting worse, not better. I'm very grateful to Jim for his help. Apologies for my audio on this one. I didn't select the right microphone setting. However, Jim does most of the talking and his audio is fine. So enjoy the episode with Jim Thor. Hi Jim, so thanks for making the time. Um, in the six months or so that uh, I've known you and we've been working together, um, I've seen that you've got a really wide-ranging um, knowledge bank and skill set that you use to help people um, achieve better health and often specifically with uh, back pain. And hopefully we can dive into all of those um, subjects shortly. But I thought before we get started, um, it would be good to know a bit about your background and um, Perhaps the reasons why you started out as a coach in the first place? Yeah, I mean, um, so, well, firstly, thank you for inviting me to, to sort of talk to you. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I can talk health, I can talk about myself, particularly for, uh, for any length of time. But um, the answer to that question is quite simple. My, I, I sort of did a sports science degree coming out of university, but uh, always wanted to join the military. Um, so I was always going to head down that road. So uh, um, the, the degree was almost about having as much fun as possible, as well as learning you know, a few bits as well. Um, the reality of it is the, the military, I was in the RF regiment, um, thoroughly enjoyed my time there, but it also coincided with me becoming a relatively decent rugby player. So... I was very fortunate to be allowed to play that and follow that and uh, and play full time for for a number of years. Um, so I, you know, my my military service is not necessarily much to write home about. Um, but so I spent ten years basically uh, professional rugby, combining that with uh, the military life. Um, all of which kind of well, they're both young man's occupations um, in a lot of ways. Um, so my body retired me from rugby. Um, and then going back into the military, you know, was was quite a challenge. Um, it, it the military had changed, certainly the RF regiment had changed. I'd also changed, and I no longer felt like it was the right place for me to be. So it was time to move on. Um, and I looked around, looked at various things I could do, um, and what my skill sets were, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, you know, it's one of those seminal moments. You have a having a beer with a, an old pal from university, and um, uh, you know, he sort of said to me, "What you know? What do you want to do?" I said, "Well, I like health. I like people. 
Um, so I was going to go into NHS management, um, which makes most people laugh when I tell them that story. Um, and quite rightly so, because thank God I didn't end up down that route. Um, and he simply turned around to me and he, you know, he at the point was involved, um, with a lot of sort of pre and post operative spinal rehab stuff in, uh, on Harley Street down in London. Um, and turned around and said, well, you know, why don't you use your degree? You know, I'm working four days a week. Um, I'm working in a tracksuit, using my degree, um, with health, with people. Um, oh, and I also said I wanted to earn more money than I could in the Air Force. I think that was a throwaway mark. I was going to give up that security. I needed, I needed to earn some money. Um, and he went, and trust me, I'm earning a lot more money than you earn in the Air Force. And I was like, okay, that'll do. Um, you know, where do I sign up? Um, and that, that very much was the, uh, the, the seminal conversation. Um, I then starting on that journey as a personal trainer, um, looked at the gyms, uh, looked at, again, I'd always been employed. I came from a very conservative kind of background, uh, family wise and certainly, you know, financial wise. And so look for employment and other bits and pieces and a combination of the salaries on offer, but also the fact that nobody really wanted me to go and work for them, which was quite a humbling experience. Then I sort of realized very quickly that in this industry, if you're going to make a live, you know, a real, I'll use the word living wage. I don't mean that in terms of the, you know, the, the national living wage. I mean, in terms of a wage where you can support, you know, a family, um, and, you know, with mortgages and other bits and pieces. I didn't really see that happening as a, as a 30 something, um, by being employed. So it was straight into self-employed work. Um, and that it's sort of, you know, that, that was it really. It sort of all started from there 19 years ago. Um, almost to the day, I think. So. Okay. So when you say no one wanted you, do you mean in the fitness industry, getting started in a in a gym? Uh, what what were the challenges there? Yeah, I just I went for interviews. I went for you know sort of selection days, and just never really got through the stages. Um, so I mean, I guess I was what was I at the time? I was 20, 28, 29. Um, I was generally going up against you know people just sort of five eight ten years younger than me um but yeah well, for whatever reason i never you know you never get the feedback do you? you never get true feedback so no idea why i just never got in you know never got invited to to go and work for anybody so i ended up going and working for myself yeah so was that in the gym that you started uh, working for yourself yeah that was the gym so two miles down the road um what was fitness first now i've been taken over as better gym um and it was I guess I, at that point, I was also juggling semi-professional rugby and some sports coaching and some rugby coaching. So, you know, my time availability probably was a little bit of a limiting factor. But, yeah, I, I genuinely don't know why. Um, but the benefit of working for myself is I pick, picked and chose my own hours. Um, and, again, I very quickly realised that from a purely financial point of view in this industry, you know, if I was if I could get up to working – 20 hours a week with clients, then whatever I was charging per hour was how much I'd earn per year, you know, in thousands of pounds. So if I was charging 20 quid an hour, I was earning 20 grand. And that was always a, a first target, you know, if I can earn 20 grand a year, um, bearing in mind that's nearly 20 years ago, um, then allied to the other sources of income I'd got, then, you know, I was okay. Um, and then it, it sort of grew from there. Mm, okay. So um, in your first trainer role, were you uh, a jack of all trades type trainer or were you specializing on anything particular what did it look like um, at the beginning 
Well, you didn't finish that phrase. I was absolutely a jack of all trade and a master of none. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I, the advice I got from my pal was go and work with people, you know, learn how people work. Um, and it was, you know, I knew I felt very exposed early on because I hadn't done the, the sort of the standard PT qualifications. Um, so, you know, there were lots of guys, I think at the time it was the premier training academy or whatever. Um, loads of guys would come out with that and they'd have all sorts of swanky exercises to do and this, that and the other. And, and I very much had to adapt and learn because I knew, you know, I, you know, I knew elite performance conditioning. I knew strength and conditioning. I knew powerlifting. I knew, you know, but I didn't know, you know, how to make exercises look good so that people looked at you in the gym and went, Oh, that, that looks really funky. I want to do that. I, I didn't. I was always training for function and for reason. It was very rarely for fun. So there was, you know, it, it was quite quite a challenge early on. Um, and I wasn't sure I was up to it and doing a good job. Um, but it was about getting to know people. And, you know, I know, I always knew I wanted to head into more of a back pain world or more of a, you know, a sort of probably more of a clinical environment than a gym environment. But at that point, you know, it was working with people. And I, you know, I, I happily say now I've, you know, I've, 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 you know, I've blo broken plenty over the years. I've learned, you know, learned the hard way. Um, and what, you know, I've, fortunately I've fixed when it may more than I've broken. Um, but you know, you've got to learn when to push people, when to hold back. And particularly as you get into more than just training people, you know, when, you know, again, that, there's that phrase rentimate, isn't there, that, that people use in the gym. You know, when you become a little bit more than that and you're really focusing on results rather than just helping people have a good time. And uh, and I say that not to deride, you know, people, trainers, whoever, who are there just to give people a good time. One guy I've come across over the years told me very clearly that he knew he'd done a good job if people left the gym feeling better than when they'd walked in. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, there's a, you know, and if you build a business out of making people feel better, then fantastic. I'm very happy. And I think that's a great thing to do. It's not what floats my boat per se. I'm probably, you know, I'm probably not that good fun to be with either. So, you know, a, you know, you got to play to your strengths, haven't you? But I, you know, in the early days, um, it was very about learning people, you know, and learning, learning why they weren't hitting. And I, I sort of tell the story and I might get ahead of where you want to go with this, but in the early days, if I was getting 60% success from my clients or for my clients, that would be generous, I would say. And when I come back, certainly from my professional sports background, a 60% win ratio, it's not very good, you know, and yeah. I like winning. Um, and so for me, my, you know, I replicate that, that winning feeling that I got on the sports field by helping my clients achieve their goals. Um, and yeah. so it's I was I was unhappy I didn't I thought I could do better um, and so I, I sort of, and what I found was the more I looked into it and the more I I dealt with the person rather than the problem um, whether that be weight loss whether that be lack of flexibility whether that be not being fit enough or feeling older than before your time it doesn't really matter what the problem is the more you work with the person rather than the problem the more success you have and the more more of your clients achieve their goals yeah so you've gone from professional sports, um, probably having quite specialized functional training experience and uh, knowledge to then working in a gym where you can be working with all kinds of different people. And I guess some of that wouldn't have crossed over. A lot of it wouldn't have been um, exactly what they needed. Um, so 
do you, do you feel like it was perhaps um, some that frustration with not getting the results that uh, that you hoped for, being around sixty percent, that's led you to uh, where you are now? Um, so I, um, I've certainly described your approach as holistic in the truest sense. And what what started you off on that road? Is it the frustration or something else? I don't think it was frustration. Um, I one of the biggest things, biggest challenges I found, which probably came more from my military days, was I went into an environment. You know, I'd been in the military, and even but even the sports context, you have a rank structure, so you know who fits where, and you know, and certainly in sport, you know who's better than who isn't because you're either top of the league or you're bottom of the league. Um, you're either getting selected or you're not getting selected, and okay, there's subjectivity to that, but. You know, you you know if you're better than a certain player in your position or or otherwise. And you walk into a gym and you're all wearing the same gear and you've all got the same board on the screen on the thing, and and it's difficult to know who's you know. And the, the customers have got no idea who's better. And so mine was always a drive, I guess, to be the best. Um, initially, probably, and certainly as a younger man, the best among my competition. Probably more latterly the best version of me, which is, you know, is a bit twee and a bit sort of cliche, but, you know, if I can't help somebody, then what can I do to make, what can I learn and what can I do to get them to where they say they want to go? And I know I've said to you, I'm, I'm not at a hundred percent success rate, but I think that's because I work with humans. I know that's because I work with humans and humans are weird things, you know, and, you know, I don't think you're like, I think if you, if you claim to be at 100%, you're missing one or two people somewhere. So as long as I know where the people who aren't quite getting there, uh, I'm quite happy, I'm quite comfortable. So no, I don't think it was about frustration. Um, it was just about, uh, you know, wanting to be better, wanting to be better at the job I was, I've chosen to do. And in terms of the holistic side of things, that really came about from my studies, um, so I immediately sort of entered into the internship through the Czech, uh, the Czech Institute based out in San Diego, uh, created and headed up by Paul Czech. And my pal uh, who got me into it was one of Paul's early students. I think he was his first UK student, actually, um, and was a member of the Czech faculty and, and other bits and pieces. Um, and, you know, John um, in himself became a world leader in, in sort of uh, pre and post operative spinal rehab and has, you know, has got a, a hell of a track record. Um, so as part of the, the Czech Institute, there are two strands that I studied. There's probably three or four layers now you could do, do more of. One was the, the practitioner angle, which is all about posture and pain and function and movement and rehabilitation. And then there was the what they called uh, the nutrition and lifestyle coaching, which is now called the holistic lifestyle coaching, I think. Um, and that's all about working with the, the whole body and looking at how the body relates to itself, how the systems of the body relate to themselves. What is the joy, you know, what is the connection between the the musculoskeletal system and the digestive system or you know where does you know i mean it's an interesting question isn't it somebody had sent to me once where does mental health start and physical health stop you know it's, it's an impossible question so you know the the integrated nature of the czech teaching um i just applied it you know and i was you know i didn't question it per se until i'd mastered it um and i remember coming back from certainly two of the four practitioner courses Four? Yes, four. Um, 
And we got a whole battery of new assessments measuring, you know, sort of the uh, the length tension and the posture of the lower body or the upper body because that's the way they taught it. And rather than sit back and think and try and get better at, at what I just learned, I literally made every single client go through it all. And, you know, and so I was doing 20 to 30 of them in the first month back. And I haven't got a clue what I was finding out from it, but I knew that by the end of it, I'd work it all out. Um, and that was just the way I learned and, and implemented it. And I do like to believe I've mastered those skills. Um, I, you can always learn more. It's one of the things I love about the industry. Um, but I have, you know, what I've been taught, I think I've got a decent mastery of. Um, and so that then leads you in. And it, I think the other part to, you know, why look at the body holistically is you've got to ask yourself the question, why? You know, if, and i got a classic example of this, you know, where um, we've got, you know, I've got a client of mine who I, I've, I've actually been working with for 10 plus years because she literally hates exercise, but has got really bad biomechanics and knows that if she doesn't work out and stay strong, the biomechanics are going to get the better of her. Um but she was, you know, she would get sort of, she was probably one of my 60% in terms of back pain. She was improved, but not fixed. And, you know, would be down to an episode every two, three months to one every you know, two or three a year, or probably one or two a year. But she's still one or two a year. And I'm, that's not good enough. We need to do better. Um, and so you start looking at, and it's low back pain and it's disc issues and, you know, infl inflammation issues. And so, come back from one of my nutrition and lifestyle courses and you start to look at digestive health and you start asking questions of the client to say, you know, do you have any bloating? Do you have, you know, regular bowel movements? Do you have well-formed stools? Do you have, you know, bloating and gas and other bits and pieces? And the 40% the that aren't getting great results will go, yeah, I do. You know, not all of them, but, mo you know, most of them in my experience. And so you then clean up their guts. And, and if you then do that to every client, then 60% goes to 70, 75%. And then as I learn more, you start asking about their mental health and you start asking and looking at the impact of the chakra system and the emotions that are connected to the physical parts of the body. And, you know, to, to sort of help people understand, if you look at traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, they believe that physical pain is a manifestation of emotional load. So if you rock up with a bad lower back to them, they'll start asking you about your relationships. They'll start asking you about your gender and what it feels like to be a man, how do men interpret, you know, relate to women. And, and you know, if you're a woman, they'll ask you what it feels like to be a woman and how, and what your role models are as a woman or as a man. And they'll then also ask you what was happening between the ages of about seven to 14 and, and other bits and pieces. And, what I've found over the years is the more questions you ask in the right areas to those clients who aren't getting great results, the more of them get better results. And so your your level of success rises as you go through. So that's my, been my experience. Um, yeah, and it's about asking why. Why isn't somebody getting great results? You know, is it me? And not being afraid to ask, is it me? What am I not doing? Um, is it them? Sometimes it is them, you know, but, you know, opening that question um and you know and i'm I, you know i think your experience about our work is probably would probably back that up you know it's it's good but it's not good enough so why not what have we not asked where have we not gone to um and that's yeah i'm i guess now i'm nosy <laughs> so i don't you know i don't stop asking the question until i'm satisfied i think the uh the western 
model is definitely built more on specialists. Yeah, we do have generalists. We have um, general practitioners and family doctors and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, once your problems get past a certain point, you're probably going to be referred to some type of specialist. And I think perhaps a weakness of this model is that um, sometimes the specialisms aren't quite overlapping enough. Um, so in my opinion, you know, we need people like yourself who have um, this broader, broader approach. Um, you've mentioned the, to me, the four doctors um, system. Um, could you explain a bit more what that is and how that works? Yeah, so that, I mean, that's a model of health, um, which originally stems from the work of Hippocrates um, in whatever. I think he was AD, I think Hippocrates, but, you know, not, not too far past, um, past the death of, of sort of Jesus Christ. So, but for all his renown, and again, Hippocrates is, is considered the godfather of modern medicine, he actually used only about 30 herbs and spices um, to treat his patients. But what he did was he coached every single one of them to find balance in their life. And it was balance between their three doctors. Um, that was Dr. Quiet, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Happiness. And for, like I said, for his success, he believed, you know, he found that if he could help his help his patients find that balance and gave, give them, you know, enough treatment to drive them in the right direction, then they would achieve health and vitality um, to the, you know, to a level of success that, you know, people still know who he is today. Um, again, I'd love to claim it as my original thoughts in terms of creating four doctors. It's not. Um, but, you know, um, the part of the Czech model now is to include four doctors where we include doctor movement because, in today's society, we all do far much of what you and I are doing now, which is sitting down and talking or sitting down and being at computers. Um, and so the four doctors model is very, it's about balance. Um, and I then sort of explain it and hopefully sort of teach it to people uh, on the understanding that every single living thing on this planet wants to be healthy. Okay. Whether you are a plant, whether you are a microbe, a bacteria, a dog, a whale, you know, it doesn't matter. It wants to be healthy. We, we strive for life. Yet as human beings, we're the most evolved species on the planet, but we're also the sickest. Now, something doesn't stack up in that model. And so when I'm working with people, and I guess I'm fortunate in that I only work with people who want to be healthy. Um, now, that's partly because I won't work with them if they don't want to be healthy because it's pointless. But the, you know, for people who are asking that question, why am I not healthy? Then it's quite easy to ask them to evaluate themselves in those four areas. And when you explain what those areas are and you can start to dig through and it, it's part of the, the health coaching um, side of the business versus the, the strength and conditioning or the rehabilitation or the, you know, the, the sort of the more hands on practical side of it, if you like. And we, we sort of sit down and we converse with, with clients and they, they will analyze themselves and I'll probably give my two penneth and really make sure that they've got a good balance between their four doctors. Um, and the reality of it is that with, again, you know, with some, some hopefully quite educated and precise and correct, uh, treatment in inverted commas, um, then, you know, when we get people doing the right behaviors and, helping themselves to be healthy the body then does the hard work for you I often will say you know i just i help the my clients get out of their own way and then their body does the hard work you know and that's that's how and it's also how you can help somebody 
You know, I, I my tagline is helping people with long-term back and neck pain, diabetes, IBS, and, and sort of anything that comes under, under the banner of middle-age spread. Um, and the reason I can address all of those things is because once, if you've got enough knowledge to identify a few key blockers, which I like to think I have, if you get the body striving for health, well, it will overcome a lot of the other stuff and it will naturally create better sleep patterns. It will naturally create more energy. It will naturally help people, you know, shed weight. You know, unless you are living on, you know, Cadbury's cream eggs, for instance, you know, and you've got half an idea of what a good diet is, uh, obesity and, and, and maintaining weight shouldn't be such a thing. You know, there will always be people who, you know, because most people are overeating or eating the wrong things. And I, I, I understand why, because there's a lot of information out there and it doesn't all fit everybody and you've got to navigate through and, and all the rest of it. But balanced human beings don't carry a lot, a lot of weight. Balanced human beings sleep well. Balanced human beings have energy, you know, and move and, you know, have bodies that are relatively in proportion. You know, they don't look like Greek gods, you know, but they look like healthy humans. Mm. Yeah, I think the point that you raised uh, a minute ago about, um, yeah, everything in nature is designed to thrive in a certain environment and set of conditions. And uh, modern humans uh, come a long way from that. And I think probably many of us expect, after at least after a certain point, a certain amount of illness and probably expect not to feel well. Um, and it's a, it's a real shame that um, that's, that's come to be. Um, I think that's an interesting you raise there. Sorry to jump in, but you know, you you know, you say you know, nature is healthy within a set of uh, I can't remember the other words you used, but you said conditions. I think, and I think that's really I've not not heard environment and conditions. I think the problem is we're changing those conditions and expecting to be healthy, hmm. and, and that's hmm. the problem. You know, and if you look at something as simple as bedtimes, okay, we expect to be able to go to bed when we feel like it. You know, when our brain tells us because what so-and-so is on TV or, you know, I want to be texting my mates or I want to do this and do the other. And we expect to be able to change those conditions with no cost. And then when there is a cost, we want to pay that back cost back because of, you know, with, with what Western medicine tells us is we want to pay that back through drugs, not through good behaviors. And, and you know, I, I know you and I agree on this, but to me that's, that's at the root cause of a lot of the problems we're experiencing at the moment is we're, we're just not prepared to accept that we have to take in charge of our health and you yeah. can't cheat health. You know, the human body will give you an awful lot of grace and leeway and it will tolerate an awful lot. Um, and true. I think the other point I did want to make is, you know, at the moment, the vast majority of people see health as a, as a lack of disease, whereas health is anything but a lack of disease, you know, Evidence of disease is a failure of health. It, it's not. It's not a blip in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. More more good points. I think people are incredibly resilient. Some people live uh, what appears to be a pretty unhealthy lifestyle, eating bad food and uh, lifestyle habits, and still manage to make it to you know eighty, ninety, even a hundred years old. Um, if, if we do the, the big things. Uh, take the big wins first, the obvious things, that goes such a long way. And, um, things have become very, I think, overcomplicated, as you said, so much information out there, so many experts, apparent experts to choose from. Uh, I think if we look at all these experts and look where they actually agree, 
there's actually quite a bit of commonality. And often it's the details that people are squabbling about. And if we do these simple things of getting enough sleep and eating, you know, basically a whole foods diet, it doesn't matter so much whether you're in, you know, one diet camp or another. It's you're basically eating real food, doing some kind of movement. Um, yeah. People have got very tribal about health and fitness. And um, yeah, I think that's, there's a lot of wasted energy there. If we can do some simple things in each of these categories and get mm. some big wins. Um, yeah, maybe um, zeroing in a little bit more on the, uh, the back injury stuff, because I think it's, that's a, it's a really big subject. It's probably, uh, I think, I believe it's the biggest source of physical disability. Uh, I think there's a statistic that says something like two out of three people will experience back pain or injury at some point in their life. So it's affecting a huge amount of people. Um, you, you've had a really good success rate with it. Uh, sometimes a back injury is exactly as it sounds. It's a mechanical issue based on some physical misadventure. Uh, you've overstrained, uh, overworked yeah. a particular area of your body, but sometimes there can be a lot more to it. Um, and I've spoken to some of my clients about this who have uh, issues with their back. And I think that uh, I've managed to go as far with some who are maybe a little skeptical of saying, well, perhaps the uh, symptom is in your back, but um, maybe the cause is somewhere else in your body. And they'll, they'll come on board with that to an extent and say, so perhaps, um, perhaps if you're stressed, um, your body language could change. You might take on a different posture. You might hunch your shoulders, push your neck forward, maybe you ball your fists, maybe you have more tension in your jaw. And these things could be manifesting as pain somewhere else in your body. And you know, they'll, they'll go along with that to a point because it's still, it's fairly mechanical. You know, we're, we're bringing in the psychological elements. But um, that's, that's as far as some people, I think, are prepared to take it. Um, so how would you kind of broach this subject with somebody who's maybe just a touch sceptical on how psychological factors, relationships and mood could be manifesting as pain, um, particularly, in, particularly in the lower back or anywhere else? I think uh, number, the, the number one answer to that question is it, it's never the first cab off the rank. Um, you know, you, you don't, go to somebody with with back pain and immediately start talking to them about you know emotional load manifesting as a sort of a physical pain um so it, you know it helps the more they've suffered the more they've paid out you know the you know the the longer it's been going on and the less you know the less response they've got the more they're open to alternative sources of, of explanation um so again i I particularly target long-term back pain and neck pain because most of those people will have tried other things to get them right. And again, you know, you, you're quite right at the start of that, you know, 90 plus percent of first time back episodes will solve themselves. Don't need any intervention whatsoever, a bit of rest, you know, stop doing anything that's going to load the back up and it will solve itself. So that's, you know, that's not, and actually, you know, second, third, fourth time episodes will, will do that to a large degree. Um, but the longer somebody's had it, and again, you know, I've, you know, I, I, I very rarely get to see first and second episodes. And actually, if I get somebody with a first and second, what I would call a hot episode, or I'd use it to them, i.e., 
it's inflamed, it's aggressive, it's changeable in that moment. I would probably refer them over to chiropractor, osteopaths, you know, physios, other people who are, are more skilled and have more tools to deal with acute pain. You know, it's something I can do. If one of my, my clients gets a flare up, then I can do that. But there's other people that are more, more expert at doing that and do it day in, day out. Where I sit is with longer term or, or I sometimes use the word colder back pain where it's, it's, People have learned to live with it and they've tried this and they've tried that and they've tried the other. So again, we then will do what we do with everybody. We'll, you know, assess them. We'll look at their diet. We'll look at, I've got sort of questionnaires I use to sort of screen the nutritional loading and the, the visceral loading, if you like, of the organs of the body. Um, I will ask people, again, I've got a battery of questionnaires and what's really good about them is there's, they all ask different things or they all ask the same thing in different ways. So there's a real, it's difficult for somebody to, um, to sort of prescribe the answer they're going to give you because, you know, it's just not, you know, it's not, not, not an easy thing to do. So by the time I've got all that information in, I've done a postural assessment on them. I've looked at their mobility. I've looked at their core stability. I've looked at their their mechanics around their spinal, you know, their spinal mobility and things like that. Um, then you build a picture and you explain to them where the where the load is, where they're out of balance. You know, are they more out of balance with doctor movement, or are they more out of balance with doctor diet, doctor quiet, doctor, you know, wherever that may be. And and the reality of it is. Most people understand that, they get it, they kind of might not, they might not be able to join the dots up and say, well, actually, how does my, you know, lack of sleep impact my back pain? Or how does my feelings around my career affect my back pain and, and other bits and pieces? But once you, once you explain the links and you show where there is a possible connection, and it's never, you know, the fact is it's never direct, you know, you can never turn around and go, this is, you know, this is your one singular problem. Because most people, again, I, I sort of typically work with 40 to 60 year olds. Most 40 to 60 year olds have lived a bit. So they've got layers of problems. Um, but the reality of it is you, you know, you turn around and you say, well, look, we can improve your posture. We can do this. And that's, you know, that's going to have an impact. We can, you know, we can, we can get your diet on point. So we know there's nothing referring from there. And that's going to have an impact. We can get you stronger and that's going to have an impact. But in reality, you know, I just, and I often say, I just want to check there's nothing else, you know, going to get in our way. So can I ask you about whatever the question may be? Um, and it's, it's one of, one of the more enjoyable elements of the work when you ask that question and people don't see it coming, but then all of a sudden they're like, Ugh, you know, it's almost, they can't help themselves. Because it's a weight off their mind, you know. They've they've been carrying this around, and they might not realise it's to do with it. But you know, unloading things that are bothering us, that are troubling us, that we don't feel great about, is quite a therapeutic thing. I mean, you know, there's you know, an awful, you know, there's a whole business model around that, isn't there? So, um, so, but also, what I think works very well is we're not doing it for counseling sake or therapy sake we're doing it for rehab sake on, a, on an injury so it, it perhaps you know makes people a little bit more open to it from that angle um mm. and you know and i i set the stall out very early on that you know clients going to need to commit and let you know and, and and go where the journey takes us and not be too judgmental about it so and, and it works you know they 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 get it yeah i think uh, people will engage more um, if they start to feel better. So uh, you don't always have to know 
the why of sort of why uh, the thing that you're doing is giving you improvements. If if sleeping sleeping more and sleeping better is is making your your back feel better, then um, even if you can't exactly, as you say, join the dots, um, yeah, why why would you uh, stop doing that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in in my experience as well of working with you, you, you're very good at reading a person, and uh, perhaps I think sensing when something they say doesn't quite fit. That was certainly my experience, um, and I think yeah, it it got me thinking that we are you know we're sometimes our own worst enemies. We're all really good at fooling ourselves. Um, how did you develop that skill? I don't honestly know. Um, I. Um, I just, I think perhaps, so I did, a, I've done a lot of work over the years um, on my own energy, on my own intuition, um, done a lot of meditation work and tried to connect with, with the sort of the wider energy of the universe. So, you know, again, I, I studied in California, all right? So I've done the whole California woo-woo thing. And, you know, I often, I often describe myself as having to translate Californian into Middle English. Um, and, you know, I, it opened my mind. It wasn't a natural space for me to be, but it, it opened my mind to that. And I mean, there's a lovely little thing I play with drives my wife wild um, because we do something called the car park positivity test, um, which, and again, anybody can try this as long as you're honest with your feelings. And, and, and it basically goes like this. If you're in a good mood, if you're happy, if you're content, and if you're generally being nice to people around you and the world around you, you'll never struggle to find a car parking space to the degree that if that car park is full, somebody will pull out and offer you a space, you know, because you're in that good mood. You have that positive aura, that positive energy about you. But if you're in a foul mood and you're bitching and moaning and somebody's upset you and somebody's gone across the road and you're beeping the horn and you're generally irritable with life and you're not looking forward to the job you've got to do that evening, you will not find a space for love and money. Um, and and so and that works, you know. And and you know, I, I sort of will turn around to my wife and go, like, "The universe loves me," you know. And it's it's just you know, call it whatever karma, call it you know, sort of you know, a lot of it stems from um, the the law of attraction. And again, that's, a, that's something I do. I relate to a lot. The, the a lot of the stuff that's put out there about it is a little bit too far fetched for my liking. But actually, there is relatively decent science behind it you know there are good um um experiments done and there's a lot of credible sort of um uh, sort of evidence to back it up so it was at the point that i was in i was experiencing you know, sort of investigating that for myself and everything i've i teach clients i've done myself um, i've been you know i've been the client i've done the gut transformation i've done the postural work i've done the you know the sort of the energy work the mindset work and it was during that time that I, I did develop my intuition. And, you know, I, I get that I, I, I do read people quite well. Um, and, and, and yeah, and I, you know, again, allied to the ability to ask, ask questions that relate. Um, you know, somebody once said to me as well, the, the amount of money you earn is directly related to the quality of questions you can ask. Mm. Um, and I, I, I fully subscribe to that line as well. So in terms of my ability to coach and my ability to get the truth out of people, I'm, I'm very, I think I'm quite good at knowing when something doesn't quite fit. 
Now, often I won't, and I've had examples, and you know, and, and again, I won't reveal the details. But you know, in your work as well, I perhaps didn't know why it didn't fit, or I didn't know why I wasn't able to move on. But I just know, hang on, this isn't working for me, you know. And I've got, I guess, I trust my intuition, trust my gut enough to push people, and 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 hopefully, we've got enough of a relationship with the clients for them to indulge me in that and go all right uh, he's making me i don't like what he's doing to me or you know this is going to annoy me and and i and again over the years i've pushed people too far you know and i haven't had that relationship and i've tried to do it at the wrong times and you lose clients because of that but it's that drive to win that drive to help my clients win where i've got to do my best for them and if my best is making them uncomfortable i'm only doing it to try and help them and you know i I will always say, look, if you don't want to answer, don't answer. Um, but I think it's important. You've got um, a very interesting mix of influences from the RAF and professional rugby to uh, California and holistic health and <laughs> uh, that way of thinking. So it probably um, gives you a good grounding at either end of the spectrum. It but, gives me um, a good grounding. It also makes me quite intolerant of certain places that I've been in the past. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yes, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the people that you work with, you mentioned it's often people in their, so to say, 40 to 60, I think you said. And um, back, back issues are common, um, but probably not in every case. Uh, are there any other sort of commonalities that you see people struggling with uh, amongst your client group? Um, I think the commonality is it's never one thing. Um, the reality of it is human beings will only really change when they're really unhappy with their current situation or their goal is really really big and pleasurable so weddings great example you know um primarily brides but i'm you know i'm pretty much sure it's you know it's not exclusively brides you know will go to the ends of the earth to to look and feel a million dollars on their wedding day and why wouldn't they you know that's you know so because that carrot of that, the pleasure they can they can ally to that is worth all the the hard work because fundamentally change is difficult. You know, if it wasn't difficult, loads of us would be doing it. Um, but my clientele generally are suffering more on the pain side in terms of, you know, their back pain, their neck pain, or their bloating, or they're stuck in a rut, or you know, they're you know they're fed up of you know sort of feeling old or looking more or less like their mother or their father. Um, and so that's that's the initial catalyst. But what we do is we take that catalyst and use it to drive real change across the whole of the body. And like I said, because because we're dealing with 40 to 60 year olds and, and also uh, if you know if you want to get a little bit psychological on it for a I think 40 to 60 year olds will start to ask themselves the questions the bigger questions about what am I doing in my life, you know, you know, what am I, what am I projecting out there onto my kids, onto my friends, onto my family, with my job, you know, is there more to to life than than what I'm getting? So, and you know, and is there more to me? You know, is what I'm looking at in the mirror as good as it gets? And you know, and if they're asking those questions and they want a different answer, then that's a great place. That's a great place for me to sort of have that conversation with them. So the the commonality is. They've all got something that is driving them, the catalyst for them to want to change. But they've also got other things that aren't quite as good as they want them to be. 
So they're open to, you know, learning again, learning how to look after their body. Um, I often say that, you know, it, it's utter madness to think that the way you look after a 40, 50 year old body should be the same as the way you look after a 20 or 30 year old body. Makes no sense, you know, but I do think that you can have, you know, exactly the life you want at 40, at 50, at 60, you know, you just have to learn how to achieve it and look after, look after your body a bit differently. You probably have to put, and I'm particularly thinking about the men out there, you probably have to put a lot more effort into looking after your body to then work it out rather than just working it out and expecting it to look after you. Um, you know, again, flexibility in middle-aged men is the single biggest thing that is, is, is sort of limiting and causing all sorts of other problems from on the physical side of things. So, but again, so, you know, so when I'm talking to my clients, it's very much about, look, let's, let's spend some time together. Let's get over the, the initial problem that you're coming to me with, but also then learn how to look after your body. And, and help it to thrive and help it to be the body you want it to be because you know I'm 48 years old I'm not ready to stop climbing mountains and you know I've got a 17 year old son that I still want to you know get to the mountain you know faster than he can you know I still want to be able to lift heavier than he can I'm not quite yet ready to give up the role of the the alpha male in my family so but I have to work smarter than him not harder than him um because he's got youth on his side um so so yeah and that you know I'm I think I'm still hanging on just about to that moniker, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm having to raise my game every year. Um, but it's doable if you, if you know how to look after it and you don't, and you work smart. You mentioned their time as well. And I think perhaps at this age group, um, dedicating some time to, uh, fixing the problem or learning to take care of your body is really important because at this stage in your life, in your forties, fifties, sixties, it might have taken quite a lot of time to create the problem or she's struggling with, and there might not be a, might not be a quick overnight fix. No, a hundred percent. I mean, time. Oh, time is you know, it's the one thing we can't make more of, isn't it? You know, but mm -hmm. it's also in terms of looking after your body, there is no substitute for time spent looking after your body, and. That, you know, we unfortunately we live in a world of a quick fix. We live in a world of take a pill and you'll be okay. The reality of it is, if you want optimum health in in your you know, mid to later life, you, you know, there's no pill that's going to give you that. It's got to be done with timed and accurate, smart effort. Um, but equally, and I would particularly, well, this this goes across all all of you know, well. Certainly the, the sort of the back pain, neck pain, diabetes and IBS. I believe the single biggest mistake most people make on addressing those issues is they don't do the right things for long enough. Um, and I know I've got a client and I'm going to have that conversation with them this week where they're going to think they're fixed and they're nowhere near fixed because what they're actually in is the most dangerous phase of any rehab program, but particularly a back pain program. Um, and by the way, if anybody's thinking about gut issues, whether that be IBS, whether that be um, dysbiosis, microbiome issues or uh, diabetes, you know, gut transformations take months or years. They don't take weeks. You know, they have to be done time after time after time. But like I said, I'm, I know I'm going to have a back pain client this week who thinks they're, they're done because the level of pain has dropped significantly. They're living the life they want to live. 
unfortunately, they are in the most dangerous phase because the most dangerous phase with a back problem is when you have little to no pain, but you're not strong and stable. And pain will disappear within a matter of weeks. Strong and stable takes weeks to months to build, and there's a gap in the middle. And that is, to my mind, the single biggest mistake. It's why I only work with people for six months minimum, because six months is just about long enough. Okay, I used to do three, six, and twelve, and uh, you know I now do six, twelve, and eighteen month uh, programs. And three months was never long enough. We never, you know, the only people we had problems with were the three monthers. So stop doing it. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly vouch for that. Uh, that was my experience. After a few months, I was feeling fine and uh, thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. But uh, yeah, I took your advice, and I'm glad I did. Uh, see out a few more months. Um, yeah, so maybe changing um, changing gears a little bit. Uh, you mentioned earlier on a friend who um, perhaps uh, motivated you, inspired you to get into this field in the first place. Have you had any other uh, mentors or people that have inspired inspired you in your career? Or do you continue to have any at the moment? Um, and I, I definitely have had. Um, in fact, yeah, no, I do still have them. Um, so again, John was was the the catalyst for getting me involved. Um, so John um, John is now sort of very much in his retirement phase. Um, so working as he needs to and spending the rest of the time traveling, traveling the world and, and, and enjoying life. Um, there was another lady, a lady called Emma Lane, who just blows me away. You know, both. Both John and Emma, um, and to be honest, anybody that has been heavily involved in the Czech Institute and the Czech faculty in particular, their knowledge of health and humans just blows me away. You know, and these are people that can, and I you know, and I've been party to those conversations. You can be having conversations about, you know, strength and conditioning pyramids and power training for this sport compared to that sport. And the conversation can then segue through, you know, the benefits of, of um, you know, this dietary approach, that dietary approach to to the microbiome or, you know, to sort of, you know, arthritic care of the elderly and then end up with conversations about, you know, about the, the universal energy, about mindset and, and how they all interrelate. And those are phenomenal rooms to be in when you're, you're having those. So, you know, for me, John and Emma were two that I've, you know, I've worked with very closely and have inspired me in the early days and inspired me to be that master of what I've learned. You know, I, I wouldn't claim to be a master of human health per se, but I do feel I've mastered what I've learned. Um, and so they're, they're two um, more latterly. Um, and again, I think this probably comes with age and, you know, asking yourself different questions and, you know, sort of evolving your own thought process. Um, it's more been about people that have, achieved their goals in their life um, and, you know, and have done so by perhaps taking slightly unusual ways, um, but actually ways that go, yeah, do you know what, that really works um, and, and have had the courage and conviction to follow that through. And, and I, you know, I, you know, people I'm thinking about there, you know, one of which is a, is a lady I used to know who built her own HR business up and is now doing what, We've all dreamt of doing at one point, selling up and sailing off into the sunset to enjoy retirement. Uh, you know, she's got her, she can only be early 50s. Um, if that, I'm probably insulted her. She's probably not even old. But, um, you know, but there's people like that. There's there's other people that have stayed into, you know, sold big businesses and, and got into other, other you know, other businesses that look weird to, you know, to the outside. But when you dig under the surface, they've, they've really nailed it. So, so yeah, I, 
I take inspiration from some of my clients, you know. Um, there's everybody's – I love working with people because everybody's got something that I don't know about. And so – and I just think that's an absolute privilege to be able to, you know, spend time earning a living, you know, finding that stuff out. Mm. Is there anything uh, specific that you're excited to learn at the moment, perhaps in your pre professional career or, or outside, or anyone that you would like to, to learn from? Um, oh, I mean, what would I like to learn? Well, I think if I, if I sort of stick to the health business now, I would love to, I would love to look more into naturopathic medicine. Um, I would love to look more into, um, acute back pain, um, and sort of develop skills in that. Um, so I think both of those two would be really, really good. They're both big things to chew off. Um, certainly the naturopathic medicine side of things. Um, but actually, I'm sort of a little bit equally focused now on sort of building my my kind of retirement plan, if you like. So, you know, for me at the moment, my my lifestyle goals and my my personal goals are more around passive income generation um, and how I can, because what that will do is give me the ability to spend my time indulging in health and, and fitness and well-being. I never want to stop coaching people. I never want to stop helping people find their path to health. But it'd be great not to have to do that to pay the bills, just to do that for fun. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a, in my health business, it's very much about making sure I can help people. I'm, I'm looking at corporate health and well-being as well. I think um, outsourced health and well-being is, is a big growth area. Um, and I've got, a uh, program that I've been running online with individuals that I, I want to take into companies. So I'm piloting that this year. Next year, I'd like to take it out to market more seriously. Um, so in the health business, it's it's about the corporate health and well-being and, you know, and driving that. From a learning point of view, yeah, naturopathic medicine, you know, acute back pain would be cool. Love to get really good at that. And then on a personal front, it's, you know, driving a passive income stream so I can, you know, don't have to worry about paying the bills. I can just get on and do the fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. The learning's infinite, isn't it? Um, and, yeah, it must must be good to be around, to have been around people who um, who have such a breadth of knowledge, uh, inspiring. Um, yeah, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so okay. uh, where can people find out more about your work and how to get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you? So best way is through the website, uh, www.jtethos.com. Um, um, and uh, loads of information on there, but equally contact form, um, fill, fill that in. Um, happily have conversations with people. Um, don't charge people if they, they're not sure whether it's, you know, it's the right thing for them or not. Um, pick up the phone, ask the question. I'll give you my advice, and you can decide whether you want to take it any further or not. And, uh, yeah, more than happy to help anybody that, uh, that thinks they might need a bit of help. Okay, well, that's great. I'll, I'll uh, include a link to your website. and. Um... <laughs> Again. I have Thanks all again. the other social channels as well. But it's okay. not my specialty, so uh, um, so yeah. Don't uh, don't worry too much about those. Go to the website. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much, Jim. Enjoyed this. No problems at all. Thank you, man. Appreciate you uh, you giving me the time, and uh, I hope it's been useful for some people.